1: Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, September 24th. Obviously, Laver Cup took up much of the attention of the tennis community this past weekend. And if you missed anything from Laver Cup, you want to catch up on all of the action. You want to catch up on the award show we just did live on YouTube but should be released today as a Great Shot podcast as well. And you need to find those links. Be sure to check out our website, crackedrackets.com, the mini break podcast. I think we've gone like 14 days in a row or like, I don't know, 25 out of the last 30, something like that. So I promise you, if you're behind on anything, go check that out. That pod, go check out these past episodes, and you can get all caught up to date on that. As I mentioned, Labor Cup Award Show as a GSP on the cracked interviews front, we've got Bethany Maddox and Steve Johnson, Govin Nanda, uh, uh, Henrik Weir. So I'm trying to go from across the universe. Who else have we done? Blair Henley, Prim uh, Primsoripapad. Excuse me. So we have really been touching all four. Uh, you know, all of the corners, all four corners. I think there's more than four, but all of the corners of the tennis world recently on the podcast notes so if you've missed any of those like rate, subscribe, review, give those a listen you know again, CrackRackets.com for more immediate updates, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube the accounts are at CrackRackets but with that in mind because we've done so many podcasts, just going to be me steering the ship today and as I mentioned from the get go with Laver Cup taking up so much of the attention of the tennis world, uh, there were some ATP and WTA professional level events that flew under the radar this week and that's what I, or this past week I should say and what I'm going to be doing today, running you through those results now because it's just me on this podcast. I'm not going to spend too long. I figured we'll do a rapid-fire sound effect, so we'll call this podcast Things You Missed While You Might Have Been Watching Laver Cup West Off. I'm going to ask you, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. And with that, let's rock and roll. So the first place I want to start let's start on the ATP side because uh, to me one of my favorite stories of the weekend Joe Wilfred Sanga, a guy who I believe earlier this year was dying, uh, had a major injury scare you know wasn't able to travel to Indian wells because of it we've seen his level of play fluctuate throughout the season you look at him he's dipped down at the challenge level at multiple points this year he's twenty eight and fifteen on the year but you look at the push he's made towards this season ending and you know what a run he's had let's start since the U.S. Open. He goes to France and wins a challenger title, knocking off young star uh, Mikhail Yimmer along the way, knocking off Former, uh, you know, former veteran, current veteran, former top 100 player, Dudy Sela in the finals, six one six zero and the fastest, I think, challenger final ever recorded in history. And then he goes to the Moselle Open, and he wins an ATP title. He Along the way, he knocks out Paulo Andohar, Yves Albert, Nicholas Vili, Luca Pui, 6-6 in the semifinals, and then knocks off Badene, six seven seven six six three to get the win here. Don't look now. But Joe Wilfred Songa quietly at age 34, has climbed his way back into the top 40. And for Songa to do that after some of the stretches we saw earlier in the year, you look at the way you know came out pretty hot through Australia through February. But then again, once he was diagnosed in Miami, didn't make it out of qualifying. Uh, makes a semifinal in Morocco, but then loses first round uh, Monte Carlo. Goes and loses in a quarterfinals in the Challenger, straight sets to the, the uh, number uh, to the number 186 player in the. World loses first round Rome, uh, you know second round Roland Garros, but uh, third round Wimbledon, but really just sort of on the margins, uh, you know hasn't not the top fifteen, top twenty player uh, of form of Songo where you're used to seeing. And now he goes on this run here again, really successful from him to get back to the top forty in the world. It's a testament to the hard work he has put in on and off the court. He does look thinner, but he, you know, anything he's lost in firepower, he's made up for in speed, in flexibility, and you can just see this is a guy who is so happy to be back on the court. And for him to get this win here, I mean, even if he doesn't, you know it, Even if he doesn't uh, crack the top 20 by the end of the year, he's going to be in all of the slams next year. And for Joe Fritzonga at age 34, when you see your contemporaries like Tomas Burdich and David Ferrer, guys who are a little older than him, but still guys he competed with throughout the majority of his career, starting to retire, it's nice to see him have this spurt of form. Nice to see him jump back to the winner's circle. Um, again, you look at some of the other notable results from this tournament, Luka Puy making the semifinal, freshly married Luka Pui, a Mazel Tov, to him and his family, a good result for him there, you look on the top half of the draw, Benoit Paire, the number 3 seed, defends his indoor home courts, 3-set uh, win over Gasquet, then a straight set win to reach the semifinals, he loses in 3 sets to Badene, 4-6-6-1-6-2. Again, but just one of the results. I, I didn't want it to get lost. I was well aware. Joe Wilford Tsonga, one of the major winners from this weekend. You look at him now in the live ATP race, given his struggles. He's still number 29 on the year. Dark Horse candidate to win the Paris Masters, right? I'm going to throw that name, that prediction out there right now. Why not at this point? Who's to say, given how wide open it is, that he could not do it? But with that in mind, let's transition to another guy who has had, you know, hes uh, I should say with Joe Wilfred Songa, he has had, uh, I think, Cale Hammond, who came out on Rebreak last week, came out and uh, or gave this stat on Twitter. Nine of his 18 ATP professional titles have been in France Paris is in France listeners I don't know if you knew that so no reason he can't add another title to that list and why not do it in your home country but speaking of guys winning titles in his home country that's the segue I was hoping to set up because the Medvedev the ATP league leader league leader the ATP Tour leader in wins uh, another championship to his belt just again this guy post Wimbledon I'm gonna say it the best, most consistent weekend week-out player on tour. And for him to go to St. Petersburg, given the fact of how banged up he was, again, to recap for listeners who may have forgotten, his run since Wimbledon, finals City Open loses to Kyrgios, finals Montreal loses to Nadal, wins Cincinnati, makes the finals of his first Grand Slam before losing in a stunning, you know, a thrilling, I should say, not stunning, thrilling five-set loss to Rafa Nadal. He comes to St. Petersburg and he doesn't drop a f-ing set. I mean, this guy did not lose a set. His body is half kines tape, and he's just going out there and performing. And you know, in the final here, he beats 6 six three six one. Quarterfinals, he knocked off Andre Rublev six four seven five. You can't deny it anymore. This guy's the real deal. I mean, given the fluctuations of the top three guys, uh, uh, you want to put them in their own category in terms of the best players on tour. That's fine, but. Daniil Medvedev's number four. I mean, you look at the live rankings, he's, what, number four right now in those live rankings. You look at the live ATP race, he's number four as well. I mean, by every metric, this guy has been the fourth best player, maybe the best player on hard courts other than, I guess, Nadal and a healthy Djokovic. But, you know, certainly right in those discussions, best players on hard court, just this, this postseason, uh, this post-Wimbledon stretch, I should say, uh, in my opinion, better than any stretch we've seen from any guy, you know, born 1996 or later. Zverev, of course, has had a couple of good runs at Clay Masters events. He's also had the end of last season where he won the ATP Tour finals. But I mean, Medvedev's now done this for three months straight. This guy's legit, and if you're missing that, you're missing out on. What could be really the future of the, I mean, one of the, and he is one of the names we'll be hearing for the next 10, 15 years, a guy who post-Big 3, post-Big 4 is well positioned to compete for major titles. Um, but before, you know, to move on through the rest of the tournament, uh, as I mentioned, Andre Rublev, a good quarterfinals appearance here. Uh, you continue to forget Rublev is building off of, you know, he was injured for much of this season. So now for him to get up to number 30 in the ATP race, you look at him in the live rankings, he is now solid back inside uh, the top 50 at number 35 I mean he's right back on track this is a former world junior number one his talent has always been very evident to those who have watched him play and yeah he loses to Medvedev in straights but he has positioned himself very very well for the 2020 season again Matteo Berrettini semifinals at the U.S. Open loses to Jeremisov 6-6 six six. anytime you play two breakers not a bad result at all Kachanov, my guy. Karen Khachanov, loses seven six six four to Sosa in his first round. Uh, huge shout out to Khachanov, by the way, a newly minted father. Mazepov, my friend, um, but he loses first round. I'm sure that's not what he wanted. And you know, off the court, his life is thriving. But he's you know got to get back to that success on the court. Has a ton of points to defend with that Paris Masters title uh, coming up, but or that Paris Masters event, excuse me, coming up. But one of the other winners from this. Borna Chorich, who you know, coming off of the injury uh, that he's had since Wimbledon, has not been able to play a ton of tennis. Obviously, he pulled out of his second-round match at the U.S. Open to uh, against Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, but you look here: a three-set win in each of his match or each of his wins, three sets over Fucsovics, three sets over Kaspar Ruud, three sets over Joe Sosa. Yes, he loses three and one to Medvedev. But this is a guy who has fresh enough legs at this point of the year, if he's healthy, to get a lot more matches under his belt and that he was able to get four at this event, make himself a final, earn himself some easy points because he's got a ton of de- points to defend from his runs in Asia at the end of last season. A very good result for Borna George's post-U.S. Open swing. And yeah, we all want to get to title town, but we can't all do that every week. Getting to the final, the next best thing, so great for him.
0: Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG-1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG-1 at newbalance.com.
1: Uh, last ATP match uh, or tournament I want to focus on. Speaking of guys, again, who made the finals, let's go to the Columbus Challenger real quick. A home event for Ohio State, recent uh, All American now turned pro J.J. Wolf, who reaches his second final indoors in Columbus of the year, ultimately losing 6376 to the number four seed Peter Polanski. Excellent uh, advertisement for college tennis here. Semifinalist Emilio Gomez, a USC uh, Played there, I think, two years, maybe three. J.J., obviously, at Ohio State. Roberto Quiroz, the number nine seed, another former USC guy. Gomez and Kuros, I believe, are cousins. Um, and Jonathan Kelly tweeted me, at one point, there were three Ecuadorian players playing at once uh, at the challenger level. I, I cannot tell you how often that's happened, but I imagine it's rare. So great to see those guys continue to succeed. You look at other college players who uh, made deep runs here. Torpegaard lost in the quarterfinals 6-6 six six to Kiros. I mean, this challenger lived up to the height. And for anyone who's worried, oh, there's not enough tennis you know, post-US Open, you're so wrong. There's so many good stories, so much intrigue. Um, Tennis going on both on the men's and the women's side, and just real quick on J.J. Wolf, you look at him now in the ATP Live Rankings. Again, this guy just played a full year of college, and he enters 2020 already in the top 250. Now in the Live Rankings, number 247. I'm sure he is very eager to get inside that top 200 before the year ends, earn himself a spot in Australian Open qualifying, guaranteed get make, get to make that trip down there. Hopefully, play a couple of challengers in the warm up. I believe it's Numea and Playford that come before forehand and then, you know, ultimately, hopefully round into good form heading into Australian Open qualifying because that served that forehand, uh, their ATP ready shots. And I know indoors in Columbus is where he's had the majority of his success in his career, but I'm telling you that that stuff's going to translate everywhere. He is just so fun to watch. But... Speaking of fun to watch, let's transition to the WTA Tour now, where upsets and intrigue are always a feature and always half of the fun of the events. Let's start in Seoul, Korea, where we had the Korea Open, and you're looking at the draws here. Our winner of this event, none other than number three seed, Carolina Mukova. Who advances over uh, Wang, the number eight seed, 7664, into the semifinals, before knocking off number four seed Lynette, 6161, 6, 1 in the finals? Look, Mukova was a player a lot of us had circled as someone who could make a deep run at this event, but not only here, but given the level of play she's displayed all season long, just make a very strong post uh, po- uh, US Open push and at the US Open. She was able to make the third round before ultimately losing to Serena 3 and 2 but before that in New York she made the quarterfinals losing to Lynette 7-6 in the third she you know Mukova obviously a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon before losing 5 and 4 To Alina Svitolina, you look at where Mukova now sits in the uh, the ATP, excuse me, in the WTA Live rankings. She is another player who has really situated herself well for 2020. The 23-year-old now number 36 in the WTA Live rankings. You look at her in the race uh, in 2019. Again, that's a barometer of how many points you've accumulated just this year. She's number 30. She's been a top 30 player, and for the young player, uh, Czech Republic player. That's a jump, and so to get her title here, huge result for Mukova, a, a player to certainly watch as we go down the home stretch. But same thing for Lynette. I mean, she was stunning. Alexandrova was great. This was just a high-level tournament. Again, we had the number eight, three, four, and two seeds all make the semifinals. I mean, that's what you sign up for. So great tennis in Seoul, Korea, at the Korea Open. Uh, with that in mind, let's move to our next event. Uh, and look, this was one of the another fun storyline from the weekend in Osaka, Japan. Naomi Osaka had the chance and ultimately converted the chance to win this tournament 6-2, 6-3 in the finals over Pavel Chankova. Again, you look at the semifinalists at this tournament. Osaka 4-1 over Mertens. Pavel Chankova 3-3 over number 4 seed Angelique Kerber, who really, probably her best result of the season. I mean, for Kerber, she got a 6-4, 4-6, 2-1 uh, retirement victory over Madison Keys, but she also knocked off Nicole Gibbs the round before. Uh, you look at some of the other results, Sloan Stevens, a first-round loss to Georgie, 0-3, hate to see that. But for Naomi Osaka, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in Andrescu. It's easy to get caught up in Benchich and easy to get caught up in Barty given all of the success that they all had this year. But I, and I and don't, I'm not accusing anyone of having forgotten But Naomi Osaka is the defending Australian Open champion, right? I mean, this girl is such a talent. And on a hard court, clearly the surface she excels on the most at this point in her career. Still so special to watch. I mean, such an amazing talent. Obviously, a lot of... Fun was made at the fact that her winning in Osaka, being in Osaka, that's obviously a huge moment. Her being home in Japan to win this title, a huge moment for her. Um, and ultimately, credit to her, she got the job done, much like Daniil Medvedev, without dropping a single set. You know, she wins seven five six three in her first match, then four and four, then four and one, and then, as I mentioned, she wins two and three in the final. She played one seven five set, and it was in the first round. That's a dominating brand of tennis. That is a dominant performance, and. It was an up-and-down season for Osaka. You look at her uh, W. I I mean, up-and-down given the expectations that she reached number one in the year. It was a fantastic season by any metric for any 21-year-old in history. Um, but you look at her number four right now in the live rankings. You look in the year-end rankings. She's number five uh, in the race, I should say, for the WTA finals. Uh, she should be make the WTA Finals at this point, looks to be sitting pretty comfortable. Uh, I think she's, what, 700 points-ish ahead of the number nine spot, Alina Svitolina. Um But this certainly helps, you know, getting this title, locking in those points, given the fact that she lost all of those U.S. Open points from last year. Very good result for her. Uh, so excited to see it. Uh, but with that in mind, one other result, the last result I was excited to see, one of these superstars on the WTA, well, I, I think probably the candidate to win breakout star, oh, that's a lie, Andreescu's going to win breakout star of the year, duh, but one of the candidates in an andreescu list WTA tour who could win, number three seed Sophia Kennan, who in uh, China ended up winning another title this year, 6-7, 6-4, 6-2 over Sam Stozer. I mean seriously, uh, let, let's go through Sofia Kennan's year And just you know look at the accomplishments She's had thus far Do you like titles? Well Sofia Kennan's had a bunch of them this year And it's on a variety of surfaces as well That's what's so impressive In January she wins in Hobart on the hard court That's great uh, She makes the final in Acapulco Losing in three sets But then she goes to Mallorca on the grass And beats Benchich in the final Now she gets another hard court victory here I mean the girl is what now In the live rankings She is up to number 15 a career high for her you look at her in the WTA race she's at number 12 and it's probably a stretch she's a thousand points down for her to qualify for the WTA finals but I mean number 12 is justified Sophia Kennan has been so so good on the WTA tour in 2019 I mean look at her record again she has the three titles as well as the one final I mean but this girl has just been stellar. She's 44 and 19 on the year. I mean, 44 and 19 is that she's averaging at least two wins for every one loss. I mean, she's making quarterfinals of uh, the majority of the events she makes, if not better. And that's just. It's a testament to her progress. Another one with Anissa Mova making a major semifinal, Keys, Stevens, Serena, all so great. Sophia Kennan, you know, I'm sure Jonathan Kelly and I will do a State of the Union on the American women at the end of the year. It's gonna be hard to leave her off my list as the number one player. In 2019 on the American women's side because given expectations versus performance level, I mean she's exceeded everyone's – that's not true. She has lived up to the wildest and exceeded all average expectations for herself. She has simply been stellar this season and so it has been such a pleasure to watch but with that in mind as I've mentioned if you've missed any of the action from the past weekend you want to check up uh, again on all things labor cup you haven't had enough and you want to hear from our award show that we just did be sure to check out our website cracked com this podcast the great Shop podcast the cracked interviews podcast like rate subscribe review share with your friends we want to hear from you listeners what do you guys think are there different topics you want us to cover down the home stretch uh, do you have thoughts on the on who should be the labor cup award winners and if you do go vote on our polls right now on social media on twitter at cracked rackets on instagram you guessed it at cracked rackets uh, because we want to hear from you guys we want to know what your pulse is at this point in the year how you guys are feeling as tennis fans uh, speaking of feelings I don't know how Daniel Westoff has any feelings left in his ear after listening to me chat so often and as always our super producers him and Max Flegner, f- have <laughs> an editing job to do and I continue to say this now Westhoff Fliegner hundreds of thousands of dollars Uh, that's how much you're worth to me please 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 don't leave me anytime soon but with that in mind be on the lookout for our mini breaks later in the week be on the lookout for all of our other content but for my super producers max flinger and daniel westoff and from our entire teams at both the crack rackets and tennis channel podcast networks i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone